welcome everyone to episode nine, where we're going to be talking about good, effective communication. We have a very special guest today, uh, Jamie Yates, who's the executive director of communications and marketing here at Gettysburg. Um, so Jamie, welcome. Andy is also here with us. So before we get into some questions, Jamie, would you mind just giving us an introduction to yourself, um, what your role is at the college? Sure. Yeah. So I've been with the college now. It'll be eight years um, this summer in July. Um, before coming to the college, I've, I've worked in a variety of places. Um, uh, right out of college, I worked at an advertising agency that specialized in nonprofits. It was a great first experience to kind of get my hands in a lot of things with a lot of different clients. Uh, unfortunately, it was right during the economic recession. Uh, and so that place, unfortunately, went out of business soon after I started. And so after that, um, I, I took a bit of a career turn and went and worked for former governor Ed Rendell as a deputy press secretary. And so through that role, I did a lot of work with um, preparing briefings and speeches for the governor and his cabinet members, answering media inquiries and, and different things like that. Um, soon after that, when Governor Rendell's tenure was over, was my first time in higher education, but for a, a different type of higher education. So I worked for a place called the Pennsylvania Commission for Community Colleges, which is an organization that represents the interests of the state's 14 community colleges. So it was really my role to talk about, you know, the return and the value of the community college system when it came to policy and uh, laws and politics. Um, after that, I came here. And like I said, I've been here for about eight years. Um, so the communications and marketing team here, we're a team of 12 people. Um, we do a wide range of things. And so the stories that you see on the homepage, the website itself, the college's social media channels, the alumni magazine, photos, videos, um, design, any print collateral you all are getting in the mail, um, all of that comes out of the communications and marketing team here at the college. Yeah, we're very, we're very blessed to have, to have Jamie here today. There's not a person probably more involved with communications so, um, here at Gettysburg. So, so yeah, thanks again for being here. Um, our, our conversation today is really going to be around the role of good communication and, and leadership. And so you, Jamie, have firsthand seen and had to be a part of, you know, the vast communications that have gone out really since the past year, more, more than usual. You know, um, for students at Gettysburg, we get a you know, weekly email update about the status of um, COVID on our campus. We get other communications. So we're probably more notified about things than ever. Um, but speaking more generally, our, our first question is going to be geared towards, you know, leadership in general and the role of communication. And for you, how does a leader communicate trust their, through their communication? How can trust be built through good communication? Yeah, it's a good question. So I, I think there, there's a couple of key principles that we try to come back to when it comes to communicating trust. So the first is to be consistent. So people need to know what to expect from you, both in your tone and frequency. So trying to be consistent is the number one thing. Second is transparency. And I think that's really a two-pronged thing. First, you have, to, you have to trust your audience, that you can trust them with the information that you're going to reveal. And then you have to choose to share that information with them. So that's transparency. And then the third is simply, I would say, knowing your audience. So behaviors and attitudes change pretty frequently. Um, you know, we this has been a stark reminder, especially this year, but I think always. And so you have to 
you have to first want to hear feedback, but also to, to seek it out and then actually do something with it. So, you know, there's one thing to just communicate and to have it to be a one-way channel, but it is an entirely different thing to ask for feedback, to know, are your communications, you know, are they resonating? Is there something else that you need to try? And the other part of knowing your audience is just, where are they? You know, people are only ready to hear what they're ready to hear. And so if we wanna talk about one thing, but our community is feeling another thing, it's just not gonna, it's not going to work. So knowing your audience and checking in um, is also a really important part of communicating trust. And something you mentioned there is, is a bit of a side question Andy and I you know, had for you. And, and that is something that we've talked about a lot in, in terms of when is the right point or the right way to engage people in a communication process? So you, so you spoke about transparency and a question that you know we've been thinking about is, when, when is it the leader's job to determine who should know what and when? And so how do you determine that in your role? Yeah, it's a good question again. And so I think it's ongoing. Like part of communicating is also listening. And so, like I said, asking for the feedback, listening to what you're hearing. Um, and so we've tried to do this in a variety of ways, I think, especially over the past year and determining how to do it, I think determines on, it depends on what your goal is. And so you may remember we've hosted a lot of town halls this year and our goals for the town halls have always been, you know, we, we want to instill confidence in what's going on, but we also want to be transparent and we want to hear feedback. And at a, la a large town hall like that, you know, getting feedback can be a little bit tricky. So you have to set it up logistically in a way that people are able to ask questions and get a response. But, you know, another, another way would be small focus groups, similar to some of the meetings, Garrett, you and I have had with um, some of the advisory groups that you're working on that have been so beneficial to me and my team as we think about how we need to communicate this semester. And so that is very much part of the communication process, I would say, is listening to, to what, where people are, first of all, knowing your audience, what they, what they want to hear. Um, and the best way, what method is the best way to get information to them? The next question I have has a lot to do with sort of the barriers and, and challenges to communication in general, um, of which I'm sure you're aware of many more than, than we are. But in, in your experience in the past year, and even more generally speaking, what are the biggest barriers or, or challenges to communicating effectively, um, either amongst your team or in the widespread communication you send to the college or anything like that? Yeah, so there, there's a, a couple of challenges. The, the first one I would say is we are all constantly inundated with communications. Um, so every day, you know, my watch is telling me it's time for me to stand up. You know, my weather app is telling me that it's going to rain. I'm getting news updates. You know, I'm hearing from my daughter's school and, and all of us have similar things like this. And so just the constant inundation of um, content continuing to you know, to come to our phones and our devices. And so that's the first thing. So how do we break through um, the, the communications that everybody is hearing on a daily and hourly basis? The second thing is attention spans are much shorter now than they have ever been. And so there's studies out there that say the attention span of Generation Z is seven seconds long, which is staggering. But it's also, I think, pretty believable. Like when I think I'm not in Generation Z, but when I think about my own habits, you know, if I'm trying to load something on my computer and it doesn't work in the first three seconds, I just assume that there's something wrong with it and I click away. So attention spans, um, constant, being constantly inundated um, with communication, those are two of the biggest barriers, I would say. Also, we're living in a highly polarized time. So 
it goes back to what I said in the beginning, you know, understanding your audience and where they are in the current moment. And if you're the message that you want to send is actually going to resonate. So those are the top three things I would say are the, the biggest barriers when we're trying to communicate. And along with that, like you mentioned, you know, using different avenues to get feedback and communicate. So, you know, I mentioned the weekly emails that we get, but we also have a lot of videos from President Ayana. We had them on from Dean Foster as well. So there's a lot of different mediums in which your office communicates with students and in general. Can you talk us through the process of how you go about deciding which one to use for certain circumstances? Yes. So the one thing that we always try to do is reiterate messages when we can. And so you'll see often that the college will send an email. So email is our primary method to send college announcements. But then we might follow up, like you said, with a video or with an inst- you know something on Instagram, an Instagram story that says swipe up to read X, Y, Z. And so the reason we're doing that is because of one of the barriers I said earlier, because people are inundated like crazy. And so we want to make sure our message is heard. And to do that, sometimes you have to put it on different platforms. So that's one one of the strategies that we've always done. But I think especially this year, it's been important. Also, some people enjoy sitting down and reading a 10 paragraph email. Other people want that information in a tweet. And other people want it, you know, from President Giuliano in a 30 second video. And the, you know, the goal is that people hear the message. And so if that means, you know, we need to turn the message into a variety of different assets, that's, that's something that we've had to do, especially this year when it comes to messages about health and safety. We also spend a lot of time in the communications and marketing office doing what exactly what you just said, sort of thinking about you know, where are our audiences? And we know, for instance, a lot of students and younger alums are on Instagram. Mostly parents are on Facebook. Twitter is more of a really a fire hose. We're not really sure how much impact we have when we put things on Twitter. We still put things there, but we try to be really clear and identify the goal for each of those channels. So people know what to expect. You know, we would, we would never send a major college announcement out only on Instagram because that would be not typical for what the college would do. Yeah, one thing I'm really interested in hearing your perspective on, Jamie, is maybe an example specifically of when has been a communication that you have been a part of gone really well, where you felt like you've achieved shared understanding, people get what you're trying to say, and there's been a, a positive result. Is it, you know, I imagine that that's to do that in, in the ideal is, is almost impossible, but uh, I'm just wondering if you had an example. Yeah, Andy. So that's a really tough question. I've reflected on, on that a lot this year. And, you know, like I said, in, in response to one of Garrett's questions earlier, this is a highly polarized time. And so, you know, we used to view things as, you know, we want our communications to be successful. You know, maybe we, we want people to see and to understand the decision that we've made. Like that's one example. Unfortunately, you know, having that shared understanding is something that's really hard to come by. You know, not it's really hard to get 100% of people to agree with you. And so the thing that we've been focused on now are things like, you know, have we communic- have we successfully communicated our values and have we done it honestly? And if we can answer yes to both of those questions, then we see that as successful even if people don't agree with us. You know, I think one of the the most successful things we've done and this isn't um outward communications, this is more my own leadership communication in in the marketing office, you know, heading into the pandemic, which really started a year ago in March, you know, 
I had to be ready to ask my team to operate in an environment that we have never operated in before and to work at a pace that we've never worked before and to communicate about things that we didn't know anything about. And so I knew I was going to be asking a lot of them. You know, last March, I really had no idea just how much it would be. But I think the best thing I did, and this I think is a lesson for, you know, for a lot of different examples is I had to be transparent and we had to be talking frequently. And so in order for my team to know the help that I needed, they needed to know the seriousness of what was going on around us. And so really early on, we decided as a team that we were going to be, I was going to be as transparent as I possibly could about what was happening because I knew, you know, at a moment's notice, we were going to have to pivot and, you know, send communications and be ready to, to send alerts, you know, that, that we weren't necessarily prepared for. The other thing we did, you know, working remotely has, of course, provided a lot of challenges when it comes to internal communications and communicating amongst teams. So something else we've tried to do, again, is just to be really honest with one another, you know, checking in. You know, the one really good thing I think is that's coming out of the pandemic is how often people are checking in, like asking, how are you? But not in just a like, how are you? And you immediately respond, good, you know, without thinking twice about it, but really like, how are you? And, and what can I be doing, you know, as a leader to make this time a little bit easier for you to, or to remove barriers? And so I think some of those things I would see, I would categorize that as a communication success because, you know, the ability for my team to understand what was happening then enables them to do their jobs well, which then means that the external, our audiences, students and parents and faculty and staff are hearing from us in a way that is that is hopefully helpful to them. I'm so happy you brought up your, your own personal you know, marketing communications team, because I think you know, that's, that's really relevant to our, to our listeners and to the people we're trying to reach who have you know, small clubs, organizations, even in classes and things like that. So thinking you know, both broadly and you know, getting into the more minutia, is there a sort of shared commonality between the types of communication in general that are to wide swaths of people or even you know, amongst a, a small person team like you're saying? Or are there certain dimensions that are really different in the way that you go about things? That's a really good question. So of course there has to be some differences. You know, if you're going to send out a tweet, you know, you have to make sure you do it in a certain number of characters, even a Facebook post. I mean, you can't go on for paragraphs and paragraphs. You know, the the one thing that I learned really early in my career was you know, think about what are the top 3 things that you want to convey in what you're trying to say. Like what are the top 3 things that you want people to leave this conversation knowing? and organize your thoughts around those three things. People can only absorb so much. And so even if you have 15 things you wanna say, realistically, people are only gonna retain two to three of them. And so when we communicate and when I communicate, I always think about what are those top two to three things that I want people to walk away from this conversation or this email or this story or this Facebook post knowing, and then everything I say and everything I express really centers back on those two to three things. And I think that that goes across platforms as much as it can. Again, there's only so much you can do with a tweet. So now looking to like our, you know, last stage of the podcast in terms of recommendations you would have for current, you know, student leaders or or leaders in general, communication is something that everyone can always improve upon, you know, at at our team at the GLC, you know, I try to send weekly updates, but there's always things you can, always things you can do more and, and do better. So for those aspiring leaders, for current students, what are some recommendations that you have for how to improve communication and establish a good network of communication. Great, so 
number one thing is listening. I think sometimes uh, people, when they talk about communicating, they think about only what they're going to say, and they don't always think about feedback. And so hopefully you all notice this, but typically when we send a message, there's always a way for people to submit feedback. And that's so important. There was just a student experience survey that went out a couple of weeks ago, and that's going, it's already informing some communications that we're thinking about. I talked about this earlier, but behaviors and attitudes change really, really frequently. So what you knew one week could be different the next week. And the only way you're going to know that is by asking for feedback. Now, What's important there is you have to do something with that feedback. You can't ask for feedback and then not do anything with it. Um, so that's really important. The second thing I, I would say, it gets back to what I said earlier, is you know, even though there might be 15 things you that you feel like are the most important things for people to know, being realistic in what people are actually able to retain at, a, at one moment in time, and maybe thinking about things in more of a campaign. You know, you're not only going to be able to communicate with people one time, you should be communicating with people consistently. So think about things in a bunch of different steps. You know, maybe I want to send this in an email and then I'm going to follow up next week with another email and some associated assets on social media. But here are the three things that I want people to know in the next three weeks. And here are all of the different ways that I'm going to go about communicating what I think people need to know about my organization or my values. Yes. So, Jamie, there's there's no question that there are limitless opportunities for tools for communication. Right. I mean, I'm thinking about the, the GLC team. We use email, Slack, text, group me, all these different channels that are designed to increase shared understanding and to be able to work better together. Are there, you know, I know that these tools do not solve communication issues in many respects. Maybe they perpetuate some bad habits, but from your perspective, are there any useful tools or things that you would suggest to, to help with different aspects of communication in the leadership context? So what you described, Andy, sounds a lot like what we do in the communications office. We have a lot of what we call project management tools and even more since we've moved remotely. And one thing we've learned is you need to be able to define what each of those tools is used for. You know, so Slack, for instance, has been in, in many ways, a lifesaver for us when we moved remotely, but we found that Slack really took over what we used to do via email, and then it was also starting to take over what we would what we used for um, Basecamp, which is our project management software. And so then there was a lot of internal confusion. Wait a second, I thought we used Basecamp for this and Slack for this and email for that, and so things got really convoluted really quickly. So the other thing we've been doing is just pausing every once in a while. First, making sure people are using the processes we have in place. And second, that they understand what each process is for. And so you're right. There are so many different communication tools, but finding one that works for your team and then making sure the team understands how to use it and what its goal is, is also really important. So things don't get lost in the shuffle, especially when we're all working at such an extreme pace and the volume of what's happening is higher than ever. It's, it's easy for things to get lost. I also think and this has been so important this year, just giving one another a little bit of grace. You know, we're all sh shuffling so many things, um, being honest about how you're doing when you need a break, taking a break, all of those things come back to, I think, just, you know, being a good leader and being a good team member is making sure that, that your teams know how important that is. Yeah, just what you said reminds me, Jamie, of the importance of 
groups, organizations, and teams actually talking about individual and group preferences, whether that's communication or, or other aspects of teamwork. And I think that's such a, such a helpful point. So thanks for naming that. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, especially when we all first moved remotely, you know, we had people who were taking care of their kids or people who were taking care of their parents and everybody was kind of working different hours. And so naming that, you know, here's when I'm working, it might not be 830 to five, like it was in the office, but um, I think that was really important. Just being transparent about what, as transparent as you're comfortable being about what was going on in your life. So, you know, what to expect of one another. Jimmy, I have one last question because I'm mindful of time, but it points to something earlier you mentioned that we're actually doing right now in our, in our leadership certificate in terms of, you know, teaching students how to provide good feedback and how to articulate good feedback and how to give and receive it. Mentioned several times the importance of feedback and communication and asking for it. So if you wouldn't mind talking to us a little bit about the framework under which you, you know, set the parameters for feedback, you know, what is what is the type of feedback you desire? And then in your communication, how do you, how can you effectively communicate? Here's what the feedback we want, if, if that question makes sense. Yeah, l- let me, let me take a stab at it. So um, like I said, feedback should, should be a continuous thing and there's multiple different ways to ask for feedback, but I'm a big advocate for if, if you're going to send out a survey and ask for feedback, you need to acknowledge that you've received the, p- the feedback and what you've heard through the feedback. I think that's number one. Otherwise, why even ask for the feedback if you're not going to outright acknowledge that you asked for it and here's our response. So I, I, I would start there. I mean, can you repeat the second part of your question? I'm sorry. Yeah. In terms of how do you, um, when you're communicating um, whatever you're communicating and you're asking for feedback, how do you frame the communication to, I guess, direct the feedback, uh, meaningful feedback that can help you? Right. That's a tough question, you know, because I think you have to be open to hearing whatever you want to hear. So of course you can say, we want to hear feedback on this specific thing. But what we found is that people are going to give you feedback about whatever they want to give you feedback about. And so I really see it as, you know, my responsibility, whoever's asking for feedback, their responsibility to parse, you know, okay, this is, this is helpful feedback and this is feedback that's good to know, but it really doesn't pertain to the thing that we're trying to do. Here's an example. Um, in October, President Giuliano announced the college's next, that we were going to begin work on the college's next strategic plan. And he did, you know, a 25-minute speech, really, about the goals and the principles for the next strategic plan. And, you know, we had, a, we had different feedback mechanisms. So during the town hall, people could su- submit questions through the chat. They could use an email address where they could submit feedback and questions as well. I would say, you know, the great majority of the questions had something to do with the strategic plan, but there were a lot of questions that had nothing to do with the strategic plan. You know, they were just things that were on people's minds. They didn't get lost in an abyss. You know, we did something with those. We forwarded them to the appropriate party. But I think as someone asking for feedback, you just have to be prepared that you're going to get stuff that's on topic and you're going to get other things that aren't on topic, but you still need to be able to direct them to the appropriate parties. Andy, any final thoughts or questions before we wrap up? Yeah, I, I'll just sort of reiterate a theme, I think, of what you've talked about, Jamie, and that that's that this, this is, commu- when it comes to communication, it is uh, very much an interaction between people, you know, and it's not a one-way method, and I think we can easily get caught in that trap, and that, you, you know, you're talking about the importance of listening as a communicator, like that, that sounds so simple, yet I think is very 
very profound. And uh, I think these are just some really helpful reminders for, for our team as we, and our students as we think about um, how to be better communicators as, as leaders. Well, Jamie, thank you so much. Is there anything else that you, know, you wanted to cover at all or any other comments you wanted to provide? No, this was great. Thank you both so much for having me. This was really fun. Great. That does it for episode nine, Effective Communication. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next time.